Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to Counseling on Demand. I am your host, Fred Riley. Hey, thank you for tuning in to another podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about laughter in terms of uh, therapeutic laughter. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to uh, remind you that uh, these podcasts uh, are uh, presented three times a week and then also uh, Thursday nights at 8 Mountain Standard Time U.S. uh, I do a live podcast. Uh, Instagram uh, video where I take questions and approach uh, different topics. And so I'd love to have you on there. It's a great uh, time and place to ask questions, get some feedback on concerns you have without uh, having to take the time to go in and talk to a therapist. It's a good time to kind of field test some of the concerns that you have. So I encourage you to uh, do that as well. So today we were going to, we're talking about laughter. Uh, You know, laughter, when, when you come into my office, I I require laughter. I, I think we need to laugh at ourselves. Um, if, uh, if my clients don't laugh at themselves, I laugh at them to kind of try to loosen them up. And laughter uh, has a lot of benefits that we'll talk about. So I'm going to tell you just a, a, a quick look at uh, how laughter might be employed when we're talking about mistakes that we make. So I used to work with these, uh, these boys, and the boys were in a residential treatment program. And after a certain amount of time and doing some things that they needed to take care of, they were able to go home on weekends. And I had a couple of boys that went home uh, together. They weren't supposed to do that, but they kind of met up while they were gone on the weekend. And what they did is they had this uh, great idea of going to a boneyard or, uh, you know, where they go and uh, put put cars to sleep, right? They uh, bash the cars up, stack them up, and, and, uh, and they just sit there in that junkyard. So... So one of the boys, his dad owns a boneyard. So the two of them thought it would be really fun to go to the boneyard with a couple bats, uh, baseball bats, and beat up these cars that were already beat up. And honestly, that's probably something I probably would have done as a kid. No harm, right? Well, that was a lot of fun for them. They really got into it. And as uh, subsequently, the uh, adrenaline and the fun that they had led them into a building in the boneyard and uh, they assumed that these cars in this building were being set up for demolition. And uh, so they had these awesome new targets, right? They had, they had cars that actually had headlights and taillights and windows. So they proceeded to destroy four cars, uh, again, on the assumption that uh, those four cars were going to be demolished. Well, it turns out that one of those cars was uh, uh, a Christmas gift for one of the employees. They were hiding there at the boneyard to surprise family. And then the other three cars happened to be uh, cars that were being held for court cases. And so here these boys are innocently having fun, not really thinking too much before they're acting. They got a little bit, uh, you know, more than they bargained for. And uh, $20,000 later, they're, they're wanting to come into my office and, 
explain themselves to me. So here's where laughter comes in. So what I did is when the boys came to my office to talk to me, um, I told them not to enter. Uh, and I told them to leave their bats at the door. Now, obviously, they didn't have bats. But uh, what I told them is I don't trust them. I understand that they're really good and accurate with their bats. And I don't want them to harm me. So I told them, before you come in, leave your bats at the door. Now, they just looked at me kind of funny, like, what is he doing? I can't believe he's talking to us like this. And, and you know, we focus so much on ownership and responsibility and so forth. And so I had him come in. I teased him a little bit about, you know, being in the room without their bats. Do they need to go out and make sure their baseball bats are still there? Is there anything they feel like they need to smash? That type of thing. And one of the things I told him is, in this program, therapeutically, they graduate at a certain time. And I told him that they will not graduate until they each pay $10,000, but until they can laugh at what they did. Not suspending ownership, but they need to be able to laugh. They need to be able to say, you know what, laughter is a way of expressing that I've learned some things. So from that point forward, when I would walk down the hall and I'd see them, I would duck, I would beg for their forgiveness as if they were holding a bat. I'd warn other people, hey, get out of the way, this guy can hurt you. That, you know, and I'd explain how they have great aim, that type of thing. Whenever there was like a spider or something, I'd call them in and say, hey, can you take care of that? Um, you know, just go easy on the spider, whatever. And the idea was to loosen up. The idea was to be able to laugh a little bit. And while laughing, there's some learning that occurs. There's learning that we can make mistakes. There's learning that um, we can be forgiven. There's learning that, uh, hey, life, we make mistakes, but life can move forward and we can still take responsibility. So we're not laughing in a way of escapism and minimizing, but we need to learn to laugh. I, I'm sure you and so many people that I've worked with, myself included, you know, we do some pretty dumb things. And sometimes what makes the problem worse is the way, the way that we treat ourselves. What I often say is, you know, it's not the first mistake that is bad. It's not the first mistake that gets us. It's the second one. And what I mean by that is our first mistake, bashing these cars, stealing something, lying, that's, you know, that's a significant mistake that we need to change. But the second mistake is the big one. And that's where we don't laugh at ourselves. We don't learn. We kind of take ourselves to the whipping post, if you will. And that's the bigger mistake. Healing, overcoming, self-forgiveness, you know, that, those are things that are required for overcoming depression, for overcoming uh, our own sense of inadequacy and foolishness. And so that's the big mistake, is not learning to uh, forgive ourselves and holding ourselves hostage. So a big part of overcoming that is being able to learn from it, but also being able to laugh uh, at what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I talked to these boys a lot about what were they thinking, and of course the answer is, we weren't thinking, right? Uh, I asked them about uh, all kinds of things like uh, if they wanted to still go deliver this car to this mom, you know, are they going to duct tape lights together? What are they going to do? What are they going to do about the the uh, three wheels that they took off the car, that type of thing? And they learned to really loosen up. They learned to be able to say, okay, I've got to forgive myself. And the $10,000 each that they have to work off, that was enough for them to take ownership and see that, hey, this got out of hand. They were able to learn from it versus beating themselves up. As a matter of fact, if I were to work with you and you working with yourself, uh, I get upset. I don't get upset a lot, but if you're beating yourself up, as a therapist, I get upset with you. 
what I would do in session, what I want you to do is I want you to turn that beat up session to like five minutes. That beating yourself up doesn't do any good. Ownership, which we've talked about, is different. But we need to get to a place where we can kind of laugh things off. And this is just one aspect of therapeutic laughter. We'll talk a little bit more about other aspects of therapeutic laughter. But the idea is that beating yourself up, that second mistake, doesn't do you any good. And uh, time after time, you know, my clients, they know me as a very direct person. They know me as somebody that likes to have fun. But when I sh- I'll shift when they start to beat themselves up. And I, I tell them right there, they, no one else is hurting them. No one else is perpetuating depression, guilt, and stuff but themselves. And that's the worst mistake that they can make. So we need to be able to look at our mistakes a little bit differently. And so in a minute, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about other forms of therapeutic laughter, um, uh, laughter and, and comedy and those types of things, and the impact that they have on us. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Counseling on Demand. I am your host, Fred Riley. So in our first segment there, we were talking about laughter. Uh, Therapeutic laughter, we'll go into that a little bit more, specifically the value of therapeutic laughter. Um, But I just gave an example really quick of how laughter can be used to help us learn and move forward and get away from holding ourselves hostage. And again, I think this is really important. It's usually not the first mistake we make. It's the second one, and that's that self-judgment. Now, I'm not saying that you don't take ownership. I'm not saying that you dismiss and minimize things. But I tell you what, if we make a mistake and then we go and beat ourselves up, we're more likely to go to another poor choice, another mistake, because after all, we make poor choices, so on and so forth. We need to take that as a learning opportunity. So many people that I work with, including yourself probably, are so hard on yourself, and uh, that puts you in a position to make more mistakes. So what does, uh, what does uh, humor, what does uh, laughter do? Uh, many of you might be uh, familiar with Brian Regan. Brian Regan, uh, he is uh, definitely one of the funniest uh, individuals I've ever seen. He, uh, he has a very uh, strong ability to use his physical presence and, and so forth to kind of appeal to to uh, to you and to life uh, situations. He does a good job of identifying life situations and, and making a lot of fun of those things. And what, what studies are showing, and we have to be careful because studies are really hard in this area. It's really hard to prove exactly what laughter is doing. But what studies are showing is that when individuals are exposed to comedians like Brian Regan, where they're exposed to laughter between um, themselves and somebody else socially, we start to see things like a lowered uh, blood sugar. We start to see things like uh, increased blood flow. And then the thing that is most well-documented, the phenomenon that is most well-documented, and this goes back to uh, somebody about 40 years ago, pain reduction. And what this individual realizes that when he did, he watched or engaged in laughter for 10, 15 minutes, he would be pain-free for about two hours. Uh, We still don't know what that's all about, but we're learning, and there's a lot of laughter therapy out there, we're learning that somehow laughter does impact our mindset. It does impact uh, 
the way that uh, we uh, perceive the world, at least temporarily. So some interesting facts about laughter and mental health. Women are about 125% more likely to engage in laughter. And uh, I'm not sure why that is. But in the social setting, in the relationship, the romantic relationship setting, what, what these studies are finding is that laughter helps two people come together. It helps them get over their differences. It helps normalize uh, versus trivialize. And so laughter, not, not only through like a comedian or a funny show or whatever, laughter puts us in a place where we start to see the world a little bit more loosely. We start to see the world as as uh, a place where mistakes are made, but we can recover. And so uh, laughter, you know, there's no studies on this. This is my opinion. Laughter, I think one of the greatest things about laughter, and laughter therapy can, can cue in on this, I think that laughter actually transports us into a different mental state, a different mental place, um, somehow frees us from cancer, somehow frees us from uh, conflict, it somehow frees us uh, temporarily from whatever is at hand. I've noticed that laughter, like I gave this example of these boys where I used to work, laughter allowed them to step outside the stress, the the negative, the self-defeating thoughts, and allowed them to be somewhere else besides where that mental load is. So I don't know exactly what's going on there, but one of the things I want you to evaluate is when you're in, you put yourself in a position where you're around somebody that you can laugh with, where you watch something that's funny, you're going to be aware, I want you to be aware and take a look at this transportation. It takes your mind into a different place where you can be free uh, from depression. You can be free from anxiety, even if it's momentarily. But what you're doing is you're teaching your mind, you're teaching your body, first of all, that laughter is okay. Second of all, that that is a, a healthy mechanism for reducing stress. It's it's not only healthy, but it's necessary. And again, like I said, studies don't really know how to support these things yet. Most studies right now are actually uh, done by people that are trying to show that laughter is uh, helpful, so they're kind of biased. But I tell you what, when I worked in the ER and when I have a stressful day ahead of me, uh, Brian Regan, I got him on my phone and that guy takes me to a different place. And I can probably quote most of his stand-up stuff, but it's still funny. It gets me away from from the uh, stresses and the concerns of the world. So sometimes it's hard to laugh. Sometimes things don't seem that funny. But what they're showing is when you expose yourself to fun people, when you expose yourself, uh, you and a partner have inside jokes and there's laughter, there's a release of pain, first of all, and then the body responds even at the blood sugar uh, level. So laughter allows us also, one more thing, laughter allows us to suspend judgment. What it does is it allows uh, us to take a look at ourselves as human. It allows ourselves to say, okay, you know what, um, I made a mistake. Judging myself can only take me so far, just like I shared with those boys. So you're going to judge yourself enough, especially if you have anxiety and depression. And I tell you what, you know this, others are going to judge you quite a bit too. They might even judge you for laughing. Now, I'm not saying you make fun of, minimize, like I said, laugh at the situation. But when you learn to find humor in your 
you know, the what was I thinking, so on and so forth. What you're doing is you're allowing yourself to see that there's more more to you than the poor judgment. There's there, You're human. And so when you laugh at the things that happened, you're still doing the work that you need to do to repair it. But when you get to that point where you can laugh, you're suspending judgment. You're seeing yourself as still someone that's capable, still someone that's kind, still someone that, that cares and honestly doesn't uh, favor or have interest in making mistakes, hurting others, so on and so forth. So the idea of laughter, and there, again, there's laughter uh, therapeutic programs. There's therapists. I don't know how they do it, honestly, but they, they use that modality of laughter Sometimes I wonder how you get to that authentic place. But I'm going to invite you to put yourself out there. Find those people that are funny. Find those those shows and so forth that allow you to laugh, that allow you to um, step away and uh, go into this other place for a little bit, but also take time to look at the interesting, funny aspects of, of your behavior to help you see and suspend uh, judgment of yourself. It's a learning opportunity that you're going to miss if you continue to judge yourself. Judgment is uh, it's very negative. It doesn't allow you to learn. So be mindful that the first mistake you make is not the worst mistake. It's usually the way, the second mistake, the way that you interpret things. Ownership, we've talked about ownership. Don't hesitate hesitate to take ownership but we need to be able to look back and shake our head in unbelief at some of the things that we've done. And that allows us to release. That allows us to move forward uh, as a human being that makes mistakes. I am Fred Riley. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Uh, we'll do more podcasts every time, uh, every uh, three times a week, I guess. And you can find me online at gettingbacktolife.com. That's getting back the number two life.com.